right, good afternoon, everybody. This is episode one of Sidekickback Radio. It is December 9th, 2014. Uh, this is take two of uh, episode one, which, uh, because it's a rocky start, uh, this is the pilot episode, and last night I excitingly recorded the first episode, and it was quite an experience uh, I started off very excited, uh, a little nervous, and as it went on, I found myself catching myself doing things like, I, I, there was a one point at the 15 minute mark where I literally paused um, for a good minute, I, I completely ran out of steam and just had <laughs> absolutely nothing to say once I got through all my notes. Um, I also noticed this. Um, um, I say, um, a lot as a placeholder. Um, there it is again. It's, uh, quite interesting. I started editing out all of the ums, uh, trying to keep them to a minimum. Yeah. See what I did there? <laughs> uh, this is a cra- it's a crazy experience doing a podcast and I highly recommend it to people because it'll open your eyes to just what you sound like when you talk, because I don't think we pay attention enough to that, you know, and we do a lot of talking throughout the day. But anyway, enough about episode one, take one. Oh, one other note is that I switched out my chair for you guys because I noticed a lot of creaking of my desk chair. So I tried to minimize that as well. And uh, now I'm sitting on my, uh, one of the metal kitchen chairs from uh, my living room. So I guess it would be a living room chair, not a kitchen chair. But anyway, enough about the chair. Uh, My name is Andrew Fromer, and I'm your host of Sidekickback Radio, and it's very exciting, uh, and I'm excited that you're joining me on this journey. Um, I already know what this episode is titled. It's called Finding Your Voice, because that is part of this whole project or idea that I had of Sidekickback Radio, of, of starting a podcast. I love the idea of a podcast, I listen to a lot of them. I am inspired by such podcasts as uh, Chris Hardwick's The Nerdist, uh, Mark Marin's WTF, Kevin Pollock's Chat Show, and uh, Brett Easton Ellis. And I spend so much time in the car here in LA, where I live, um, going to and from places. I spend so much time in the car that uh, podcasts really make the traffic bearable, in my opinion. So, Here I am hoping to create some content, and I'll get into why creating content is so important these days um, in a second. Here I am creating content for for you all and for my friends, uh, for my loved ones, for everybody, because I think that it's good to add to this ongoing conversation, this, this incredible growth of content that we have nowadays. So anyway... Uh, let's talk about the title, Sidekickback Radio. I chose this title because I am an actor. Uh, that is what I do first and foremost. Um, I'm happy to say that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a working actor. I'm, I'm getting gigs. It's, it's a, been a great journey so far, and I'll talk more about that later. But what I noticed is uh, I get cast a lot as the archetype of, of a sidekick, of, of the hero's best friend, of the, the funny side guy, and I'm perfectly okay with it because it means I'm getting work, and... It's it's a lot of fun to be that character, you know, such guys as like uh, Charlie Day or, or uh, Jonah Hill in Superbad, um, 
Cooper and Eurotrip. I mean, uh, there's such great characters that come out of this archetype of, of the sidekick of, of the hero's best friend. Um, I'm happy to say that I, I booked a, a lead role in a feature film in this exact role of, uh, and uh, that film is called Highway to Havasu, which I'll be pro- plugging a lot as we as we go along on this journey. Um, so anyway, there's that aspect of of sidekick and being your uh, best friend, I hope. I hope we can all be best friends together. Uh, I hope to help you on your journey. And uh, each week I'll have, or each, I'm going to try and keep this to a bi-weekly podcast so that it doesn't take over my life. But if it does, so be it. I'm open to anything, which is uh, something that I've learned through listening to these podcasts of all these amazing actors. Uh, a common thread is that they're all always open to whatever comes their way. And so as I have my friends come on, I'm hoping to also help them um, and have this be kind of their springboard, a, a place for them to promote anything they're working on. I mean, I have some some amazing friends who are working on some amazing projects and doing just incredible work, and I definitely want to ha- have my part in promoting, helping to promote what they're doing. So that's an, another reason why I did this, uh, to be everybody's sidekick. And then the kickback aspect, well... I love the idea of a kickback. I, I'm not a fan of, of going to bars and, and and going out all that much. I love hanging out with people in, in a kickback sense in which you, you just sit, hang out, uh, shoot the shit, as they say, and um, just talk and have conversations. And, and, you know, I'm sure all of you have had this experience of having a conversation that literally goes all night and, and before you know it, the sun is rising and you realize you're going to be completely exhausted the next day, but it was worth it because you just had an, an incredible, meaningful conversation. Now, this won't go on for hours, I, I promise, but uh, I'm hoping to tap into a little sense of that whole loose, unscripted dialogue. I mean, I, I'll have story points that I want to hit. I'll have questions I want to ask of our guests, and we have a great guest today. It's me. I'm so excited to be basically interviewing myself. Um, also, I'm doing that because we have nothing to lose. Um, I have zero followers right now. Nobody's listening currently, uh, but since this is kind of a time capsule, uh, you will listen to this later. And, and as for take one of episode one, I, I'll definitely hold on to that and release it at a later date just to have a laugh because it, it was It was quite incredible of an experience, and I want to share it with you. But definitely, I don't want that to be the pilot episode. My first foray into the podcast world is definitely not going to be episode one. So as I was saying, uh, the idea of a kickback is incredibly important to me. And these conversations that I will have with my friends... I will try and keep them to half an hour, but if they go longer, so be it. If 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 it's super interesting and we keep going, then then why not? Um, uh, I'll, you know, like I said, being open is an incredibly important thing in life. Uh, the format um, is kind of this. It's basically just talking, and like I said, the Nerdist, uh, WTF, Kevin Balchet, they're all conversations and there are questions uh, you know that are maybe pre-planned but the conversation can go wherever um there's, i'm not planning on doing any segments um what will be interesting is maybe someday we'll do some musical performances um because i do um music and, and if i find some interesting people and bring them in maybe we'll have some jam sessions that, that could be an interesting little change up further down the road um be sure to follow on Facebook and Twitter. Um, on The Twitter handle is at SideKickback, and uh, Facebook is just SideKickback Radio uh, fan page. And uh, please do follow me, at Andrew Fromer, and uh, 
Andrew Fromer fan page on Facebook. I mean, there aren't too many Andrew Fromers. It's fairly simple. I'm a simple kind of guy. Um, speaking of which, let's get to today's guest. It, it's me. Hello. How are you out there? I'm Andrew Fromer. I was born and raised in Los Angeles right here. I'm homegrown, uh, which I know is very rare in the acting world. And so it is kind of nice when I go into an audition and, and I am asked where I'm from and, and I get funny looks when I say from here. And they're like, no, no, before you moved here. And I'm like, no, no, I'm from here. Uh, I was, uh, I, I, my stomping grounds are, are Sherman Oaks and, and Westwood, West LA. Um, I went to uh, a nice Jewish day school uh, for elementary school. Um, and that is kind of where my entire life began with Wizard of Oz as as the Cowardly Lion, and that's I say that's where my life began because that's really where I started to discover my sense of self as as a performer, as as a person who loves to make people laugh, um, and eventually, hopefully, make people cry. I mean, you know, I'm not gonna um, I'm not gonna cancel out drama in any way. Um, like I said, Cowardly Lion was where it all began um, in fifth grade. And then in sixth grade, I was Laser Wolf, the Butcher and Fiddler on the Roof. And that's when I moved on to uh, a nice private school in the West LA area. I don't want to name names because given that this is my first podcast, I'm playing it safe in terms of uh, you know jurisdiction of who, what names I can say and whatnot. Because uh, I know that it's a crazy world out there and people are looking for reasons to take legal action for whatever reason i don't know um but just playing it safe i like i said went to a nice um private school in west la and i say nice because i got an amazing education there and it was such a great environment um i was able to uh play sports which uh we will talk a lot about hopefully because i am a big sports fan basically everything except basketball i think basketball is a silly sport um and you're probably wondering why, and and I've made this argument many times, and I guess this is a good time to say I apologize to my friends who are listening right now who have heard me say some of the things I'm going to say over and over again, but I do want some of those listeners who are just getting to know me to really get to know me, and so the basketball argument. Okay, basketball is the only sport in which the goal of the sport is achieved more than 100 times in a game. All right, if you think about it, the goal of the sport is to put the ball in the hoop. That happens... 50 times each side it's 100 times in a game so to me that's not exciting when the goal of the sport is so easily achieved you know you think about uh, a home run in baseball uh, goals in hockey soccer uh, touchdowns in football I mean they they only happen a handful of times in a game but in basketball it's just like a shutout is the only is impossible in basketball shutout it's the only sport where shutouts are not possible and, and it's a stat that is not kept so that to me makes basketball boring. It's also the smallest size squad. Um, you have five players on the field of play at any given time. I think it's like, what, 11 or 12 for a total team. I mean, that's just the smallest. And to me, I'm not going to say it's not athletic, but if, you ha- if you're if you playing a sport in which you, all you need are 12 guys to get you through the season, I, I as a roster, I think, I think that's a little silly. Um, and I mean, like if you look, I think the next step up, would be hockey, where there are six players on the on the field of play at any time, but you have a roster of twenty for the game, um, and uh, and no one's going to argue that uh, hockey isn't a tough sport at all. I mean, uh, it's it's a really tough sport. Um, speaking of which, I am a Kings fan. Uh, why don't we do this now? I, I am a fan of the Los Angeles Kings for hockey and baseball. 
I'm a Mets fan. Um, thanks to my dad, I'm a Mets fan. Also, thanks to my dad, I'm a Giants fan in football, and we're not having a terribly good season right now. Um, it's pretty much over, actually. Um, in soccer, I am a fan of Real Madrid uh, International, and I'm going to probably talk about soccer a lot, or at least I would love to, because that is uh, my favorite sport, because it, it's such an immersive world. I mean, um, you know, when you look at sports, there's always these themes running through each game, like, you know, when a player gets traded or something, and they're playing against their rivals, but their, you know, best friend is on the other team. I, in, in soccer, it's magnified because it's over several continents, and um, there's, you know, World Cup play. So if you have two English club teams that hate each other, some of the same players play for, the like, the English national team, and it's, like, crazy how, like, and, and in the club season, uh, a fan will absolutely hate a person for playing for the club team, but then they play for the national team, and it's just, like, it's different. So I love these conflicts there are so many more in soccer and also there's no trade system in soccer um it's it's a transfer system which means that you don't have to trade one player for another like in american sports you can just buy another player and so um you get more interesting teams because you know like real madrid they buy up all the best players but then you see the most amazing football uh, soccer sorry i don't want to be pretentious and be like oh you have to call it football because that's what the europeans call it that just came out but anyway uh, I digress. So where was I? I was talking about high school, um, where I did play soccer. Uh, I also played lacrosse, and I now coach a high school lacrosse team, which which is a lot of fun. It's a lot of hard work, but it, it, I work. Uh, I love working with kids. Um, I've always worked with kids for uh, the last ten years. I mean, when I started as a CIT in summer camp, um, and I've been working for, with kids for a long time, and and I think it's just it's great to do that. And, and in lacrosse, the feeling of teaching a kid something and then like you know, working on their shooting technique and then they get a goal. I I actually had a kid once come up and thank me after he scored a goal in the middle of a game. And that was just an incredible, you know, materialization of, of hard work. And so I love that. And I love that sport. It's such a, it's such a great sport, the fastest sport on two feet. Um, so to those of you laxers out there, go lax. Um, so in high school, I was able to do soccer for a few, uh, like, you know, junior varsity for like one year, and then I was able to do a couple games, but really the plays and musicals started to take over the schedule, um, and I was able to do that. I was a co-president of the uh, drama, the thespian society and the, and the music society. Uh, we had a, a lovely event called Coffee House, which I have some very fond memories of doing acoustic performances on my guitar in that setting, and those are some great times. Um, But my best memories from high school are from those dinners after a a show uh, when we would go out as a cast and, and, you know, just stuff our faces with unhealthy food all night and and have great conversations and get home, you know, at at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And this would only be on the weekends because we didn't have school um, the next day. so those were those are some great memories, and that's kind of where my passion for kickbacks came from was just this idea of having night long conversations. On to college, I, I went to UC Santa Barbara, which I think you know it's a public university. I, I think I can uh, say that name, and I, I graduated from the BFA program there, uh, where I studied theater. Now I didn't start off in theater. I started off as a as a music major, basically focused on music. I, I joined an acapella group. I was 
on a path towards music composition because I was really into music and creating music at that time. I was arranging acapella music and so, you know, speaking the language of music. And it really is a language when you study music theory. It's it's like learning a language and there's certain rules and there's grammar to it and there's structure. And, you know, breaking structure is almost like making poetry. And so it's it was super interesting to me. But I had this crazy experience where when I started in music composition... I would write a composition and and then I had a professor tell me, oh no, you can't do that. And I was like, what? And he's like, no, it violates these rules. So you got to switch this to this. And then I was like, but I like how it sounded. And he was like, but you know, you can't break this rule. And it, it was a very strange experience. And it quickly took a turn for the worse. I'm, I'm not going to say that I was miserable, but it, it just wasn't fitting. It wasn't seeming right. And then round about that time where I was kind of, I lost confidence in the idea of being a music major. Some friends convinced me to audition for a play, which I did. And, and it was a great play. It was this French farce that was translated by one of the professors at UCSB. And we did it for a a conference on medieval studies. So we did this French farce translated and it was so fun and it was great to be performing again. And at that time, they were holding auditions for the BFA program, which I did, and I got in and never really looked back. I mean, that was when I found my niche. And I guess now would be a good time to mention how I was socially. I mean, I didn't really, I wasn't very social in high school. I, I tried to keep myself busy with, with work and with, you know, with sports and, and with musicals and stuff, but I never really went out that much. And then in college, I was finding my footing. And, and socially, and, and as a lot of you may know, Santa Barbara is a, a pretty big party school. And it wasn't really for me in that aspect. But once I started to find my niche and got more comfortable, I was able to kind of relax. And I started going out and I started making friends. And I wasn't I realized I had nothing to really to be afraid of, of going out and, and having fun with friends. And so once I got into the BFA, it was, I'm not going to say smooth sailing, but it was what I was meant to find. And, you know, we had our ups, we had our downs. It was a conservatory-style program. It was a tight-knit bunch of actors, um, tight-knit bunch of talented actors, and very competitive at times. And we were a family, so we loved each other. We hated each other like family. But it was some of the best times of my life, and I miss it. But also, I'm very thankful that I it gave me the foundation to do what I'm doing now. So what happened was, after I graduated college, I, I moved to Israel for a year, and that was an incredible experience of its own. It was almost like a, a new education that was like graduate school almost. Uh, for acting, actually, it, it pretty much applies. And um, I probably will talk about acting most on this podcast because it's the lens through which I see everything. You know, everything that I see applies to my life in in the sense of acting, or at least I, I hope so. And if if that becomes what it's about, then, then great. If not, then great too. And, you know, it's a, like I said, it's open. So anyway, I moved to Israel, and, and you're probably wondering, what does living in Israel have to do with acting? Well, I learned a lot of patience because it's a tough place to live, and, and people can be aggressive, and um, they have a different style of living there that um, really teaches you to kind of be, I don't want to say hard-headed, but you do have to kind of have this self-confidence when you walk around, you know, and and also you got to be able to let things roll off your chest really easy. You know, people get frustrated over there easily. Um 
but also let things go easily. It's such an incredible place to live, and I can go on and on about my experience there, but I'm sure it'll pop up as we go along, as I have conversations with people, um, so that we'll get to more on that later. Um, The important part is I did eventually come back to L.A. for my sister's wedding. Uh, This was in the summer of 2013, June, and about that time, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I mean, in Israel, I, I was a manny. I was a babysitter, I was a housekeeper, I was a personal assistant, I was a marketing assistant for a theater group, so if you're wondering, I did do acting, but, uh, you know, a couple workshops with the English-speaking community theater group there, I did improv for very little bit, but I mostly didn't really perform, I didn't even have a headshot, so I wasn't really putting myself out there as an actor. Um... So like I said, I came back in June 2013, and about this time, it was kind of like, I don't know what's next. And around about this time, I saw the film Captain Phillips, so I believe this was August of 2013, and Captain Phillips is going to be a film that I will take with me for the rest of my life because it. when I saw Tom Hanks' performance, which I am shocked he didn't get an Oscar nomination for it, but you know we can get into the whole politics of that on another day, but seeing his performance and as you know that that for those of you who have seen it that powerful scene at the end i i just remember thinking whatever that was i want to be able to do that which is deliver an incredibly uh taut and focused and realistic performance in front of a camera for you know an hour and a half to two and a half hour for three hour versus scorsese film but but for film and and i up until this point i've only really done theater but uh, film to me seemed like a more challenging medium or because I had been studying theater for three years. I don't want to say it became easy, but film was new to me. And so I started to dive into film acting. I found this amazing class called Screen Actors System with Ryan Williams, who has taught me so much. And I'm so thankful to him and to the group of actors that uh, have become my friends. And, and a lot of them are going to be on this podcast because they are all doing so well and have so many great things to promote. I started doing film work and and it really took off from there and you know I had only been on TV once before this point uh in sixth grade I did this performance oh this is a funny story as sixth grade I did this performance of of I made an interpretive dance of creation you know I did you know the sun the moon and the stars um and it went really well. It's on tape somewhere in my parents' house. I've got to dig for that one day because it's going to be golden footage. Um, should probably put it on my reel. Uh, but anyway, there was a casting director in the audience from Nickelodeon who called me in for an audition for a guest spot on All That, which I ended up losing to the kid from The Little Rascals and Slapping the Stinkers. His name escapes me, but he got the part. It was to play young buddy Hackett. And so I lost that part. And then they brought me in again to audition to play a young Mr. Pickles. And I bookmark this because this young Mr. Pickles part is very important because there was a character on all that named Mr. Pickles. And this is going to be important in my life 10 years later. And I'll get to that in a second. So I auditioned for this Mr. Pickles thing and I lost it to a kid who looked nothing like the actual Mr. Pickles, in my opinion, and also in Mr. Pickles' opinion. Again, keep that bookmark in mind. Uh, okay, I'll, t- I'll, sell it. I'll tell it now. This Mr. Pickles guy was played by a, a man named Brian Peck. Um, over the summer, I got a co-star role on the show Anger Management with Charlie Sheen, and I'm on set, and I see this guy, and I'm like, that looks a lot like the guy who played Mr. Pickles. And he's looking at me with the same look of like, that looks a lot like the kid that auditioned with me 
10 years ago and I go up to him and I'm like, Mr. Pickles? And he's just like, oh my God, it is you. So we run into each other on the set of Anger Management. Uh, it was 12 years later, um, I believe. And so it was incredible. And and I, I talked to him about it and he was just like, yeah, the kid who got that part looked nothing like me. I was quite offended. I thought you were a pretty good looking kid. You know, uh, I wish you would have gotten it. And I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm here now. And so anyway, um, after the after I didn't get the Mr. Pickles thing, finally, the third time around, they just called me and they said, we got you a part on the Nick Cannon show. You're going to be in the backseat of a car and Nick Cannon is a, a hitchhiker and your family picks him up. And so I did that and I, I still have that paycheck to this day, or at least the receipt. Um, and that's my first paid acting gig that I ever got. Uh, Nick Cannon show, you heard it here. I still haven't seen the footage because it aired on the night of my bar mitzvah. And back then, there was no TiVo. We were able to tape things, but we didn't know what was coming. We didn't know when it would air, and so I, I missed it. I remember I was dancing. It was, I think, the mother-son dance, and, and everybody started dancing at my bar mitzvah, and this couple comes up and says, Oh, Andrew, our daughter saw you on the television, and you were on the Nick Cannon show, weren't you? And I was just like, I can't believe I missed it. So, funny story, right? <laughs> anyway, so like I said, I, I was on anger management over the summer, and um, that was kind of that's kind of I think the most high, high profile thing I've gotten um, to this point. I do, like I said, I do have Highway to Havasu, that feature film coming up, and I mean uh, various projects here and there. I did the Columbine project, which was an amazing experience. I'll, I'll talk about that another time. I'm sure it'll come up. A uh, web series called Total Truth, which is still being released. Uh, check that out on. Rojo TV on the YouTubes, and uh, I think that's all I can remember for now. Let me check my notes. Where did I put it? Sisters of Transformation is is a, a new play workshop that I'm currently working on. That'll open next week. Um, so if you'd like to see that, feel free to get uh, tickets. They're only $5, and you get a $5 credit towards concessions at the theater. So basically, it's a free ticket. Um, you know, you're just giving $5 to kind of reserve your place. Um, so it's a pretty sweet deal, and it's a pretty great play with some with a great playwright, Jeremy Frazier, and a uh, great director, Annie McVeigh, and it's been a lot of fun working on that. Well, I must say that this is going way better than episode one, take one. Uh, it's just got a much better momentum to it, and I feel much more comfortable, and I hope you feel more comfortable. And I hope you heard some things about me that, um, you know, you find interesting and will keep you listening and for my friends who knew all this about me sorry but i will have some very interesting guests coming up i uh, just had word from my sister today she said she would love to join the podcast uh, for an episode she is a rabbi in seattle and so you're probably wondering what does uh, you know this actor have to do with this rabbi in seattle well, I think what I'll do is I'll start to wrap up this episode, this pilot episode, this historic episode, um, with my kind of goal for this podcast. Um, I'm not sure if I mentioned it before, but the title of this podcast is Finding Your Voice. And that is a very vague phrase to me. It's a phrase that I've heard, and it's a phrase that just keeps me going because I feel like it's a never-ending journey towards finding your voice, and it's always changing. Um, we live in a world where everybody's got their own voice, their own opinion, and more. And it's getting easier and easier to state your opinions. And I and I view it as there are two balls rolling down a hill, and there's they're both gathering speed, and one is is positive opinions with respect and constructive criticism, and one is negative 
um, you know, just, I guess, haters gonna hate, as people say, uh, just negative talk back and people trying to tear other people down, tear them apart, and just com- a complete, complete um, collection of disrespect happening. And I want to add towards that ball of good, positive, respectful commentary on our life and the various guests I'm going to have, they're all, I'm going to do my best to kind of show you, the listeners, that we are all the same and yet different in that we're the same. We all have these individual experiences of what we go through in life. You know, whether it be my sister, the rabbi, or me, the actor, we probably go through the same things, just it's it's different. It's a different set of circumstances, but it's the same processes you know, she deals with rejection as much as I do. She deals with pressure as much as I do. And and hopefully what I'll be able to do is highlight the nuanced differences and show you that we're all in the same boat pretty much. And hopefully it'll all be done with a complete level of respect that you will want to keep coming back and listening. And telling stories. Telling stories is so important to me. It's my job. It's what I do. It's what we all do. And uh, there's just some great stories on the way that I'm sure will be wonderful and entertaining for you. I guess that's basically it. I mean, I'm pretty much out of time. I think we're about at the half hour mark, and and I feel like it's a good place to end it. So be sure to follow on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, I don't have an Instagrams. Um, I'm not very good at that. I don't know why. It's just not one of my skill sets, taking Instagram pictures. and I mean, tweeting uh, is pretty tough for me as well. I, this whole social media thing is not really my jam, but I know it's like a necessary evil. And not that it is evil. It's it's very useful. Obviously, I'm on it. So I don't know. It's just it's tough. It's it's all about balance, right, people? It's like everything in moderation. So uh, with that, I bid you adieu, and I will see you next time when I know I have no idea who my next guest will be. Um, but it'll be two weeks from now, hopefully, and I'll hopefully get this on, and it's been great chatting with you, and thank you for listening, and be sure to keep in touch. This is Andrew Fromer signing off for Sidekickback Radio. I don't know why I use the name radio, because it's not radio, but it just felt like it made sense. Sidekickback.